The days may certainly be shorter and the nights longer, but fear not, you can rest easy about managing the training and competency of your staff by listening to this short post-webinar podcast on making TNC work for you with WorkSmart's Julie Pardy and Nick Dent. Together, our panellists interpret the live webinar poll results of over 100 compliance, risk and HR professionals before urging firms in 2021 to take a good hard look at their current TNC scheme to see how TNC can transform your corporate culture and team performance. So let's get to it. Julie and Nick, we asked our audience of over 100 webinar attendees about their organisation's approach to TNC. With 42% of the audience seeing the benefit of TNC and applying TNC to a wider population than those that are required, which is fantastic, 31% of our audience see the value of TNC supporting cultural change, especially around personal development and competence. So far, so good. But yet, we still see around 13% of the audience suitably sceptical about the value and benefit of TNC. What are your thoughts? I think it's reassuringly positive. You know, TNC has been with us since 1993 in one form or another. And what we've seen is it go through peaks and troughs in terms of firms' interest and desire to do something different with it. We've certainly seen with our larger clients a desire to use it for also for individuals that aren't subject to it, to give them the support and development that TC populations have, which is fantastic. I think, though, the first two that we saw, the 13%, I'd say that's lower than I would expect it because Nick and I regularly have conversations with TNC teams and individuals within firms where it would appear that those teams are not given the budget, the resource or the headlines within the organisation in terms to really deliver what a very effective scheme could. You know, I would take Julie's comment about it being reassuring a step further and say it's surprisingly reassuring. And I'd be especially heartened, I think, if the question was answered in the vein that it was asked, uh, i.e. what is the organisation's view, not what is the view of our T&C flavoured audience. I would have expected those first couple of questions to be higher. Maybe it's a consequence of the people that we speak to wanting help with these kind of things. But the vast majority are in that area where they're conscious that they could be doing better for whatever reason. One or two people have said, look, I'm trying to persuade my organisation to adopt this. Are you seeing that in your dealings with firms? And did you see that with webinar participants? Yeah, definitely. There's a bit of conflict here. So within an organisation that might have many, many teams, many departments and, you know, is interconnected in certain ways, what you'll find is that firms will say, well, actually, we've got a performance appraisal process. It runs with line manager to employee. We do it on a quarterly basis. They have monthly one-to-ones with their teams. You know, we do e-learning, even if it is generic. You know, why, why, why do we, I know we need this other stuff, i.e. this TC scheme that the regulator says we've got to have, but actually, you know, it's just a, a fancy PDR process and we shouldn't need to give it any more resource or any more weight than we currently do. And I, I can see firms probably grappling with those sort of discussions. And when we ask the question, which of the following areas cause you greatest concern in relation to your competency arrangements, 43% of the audience said having the resource to manage competency effectively. 
And that was followed by 28% of the audience saying the quality of those that supervise others will be an issue. Consistency of application came in at 18%. And then 13% said senior management buy-in. I look at that and say, okay, right, those are quite easily remediated, aren't they? And addressed in firms, surely? Or am I just looking at it through rose-tinted spectacles? (laughs) I think my response to that, it may be a little bit biased because I spend my life talking about operational efficiency, but this is very indicative of people struggling to manage a process that with the right tools, if you give you the people the right tools to do the job, it should be a relatively straightforward and easy thing to manage if you implement the right systems. And in fact, having a real focus when doing so on switching your approach, switching your areas of focus, less about doing the do, just making sure that we're ticking the boxes and completing the number of one-to-ones and keeping up to speed with our CPD across all of our colleagues. But it allows that headspace if you have a technology solution that manages those kind of transactional things automatically almost to allow you to focus on other areas of upskilling that might have a greater impact on the effectiveness of the whole organization and the team as a whole. The third polling question that we asked, which was, how do you currently manage the oversight of record-keeping requirements of your TNC regime? And you weren't surprised by this, Julie, were you? In 2020, 44%, just in case (laughs) anybody didn't understand that manually, Um, 22% via a third-party solution, could well be WorkSmarts, and 20% via an internal system adapted for use. 12% said they built an internal self-build solution, and others at 2%. Okay, the majority, and this, this bear in mind, we had 100 firms on the webinar still advocating spreadsheets and Word docs. If you didn't see it, and know that people had truly answered that question, you would believe that we would have made that up. But that is absolutely consistent. At least, normally, half of the people we speak to will not have anything. And it it beggars belief, really. But, but actually, Nick and I were talking about this the other day, and I think Nick might have hit the nail on the head, in that a lot of organisations don't realise that you can employ purpose-built technology that has had a massive amount of investment put into it, tried and tested over a number of years, and you can actually use that to really transform you overnight. It's peculiar because what it actually does is it transforms you and your role within an organisation. If you're a supervisor or if you're the controlling supervisor that oversees everybody in an organisation, rather than spending your days ensuring everybody's done what they should have done, which tends to get a TNC scheme, a tick box approach mentality, all of a sudden your time is freed up to look at the data and go, okay, so who needs my help? Who needs more support? What are they having trouble with? Where can we direct resource to? And you completely transform what you're actually there to achieve in order to do that you actually need to have individuals that are you know very focused in that learning development supportive as opposed to that second line viewpoint of compliance type approach because for that first line supervision you need those nurturers I think 
you know, in summary, it really doesn't surprise me. And what Nick and I normally say is, if only we could find all of these firms, we could show them what a difference we could make to their day-to-day and long-term operations and people policies. What I'm trying to reconcile to both of you is that on the one hand, webinar participants didn't need to be sold about the regulatory expectations. You both walked through that. The understanding of how it links to good culture and conduct, I don't think there was any pushback on that. But when it comes to saying, well, how do I evidence that internally and therefore produce the MI that is necessitated because of the regulator's expectation of TNC, conduct and culture, it seems to therefore result in this answer, which is 44% relying on spreadsheets and Word documents. But 20 years on from the first TNC expectations in the rule book, we're still seeing that you know, quite a large percentage of the population of financial services still steadfast in doing it through manual processes. Where's the disconnect? Why is that still with us in 2020? Uh, Make, do and mend, I think, is the short answer. You've got individuals within organisations that are responsible for delivering TNC. They've found it difficult to get the ear of those in senior roles and get a requisite share of the budget to do things properly, really. So you're forced into having to work around the challenges that that brings, really. And, you know, like we said on the webinar, I I think my experience of the majority of customers that WorkSmart now has is that a TNC solution was bought for us for some other reason than actually just making the best of TNC. It was an operational efficiency review, or it was a firm that was bolstering its um, systems and controls for some other kind of objective than actually benefiting the TNC scheme and the outputs of that. But then, like we said in the webinar, if you go back and revisit those customers, and I think we got some comments in Uh, you know, from existing customers in the chat panel on the webinar itself saying, we've now experienced this, we couldn't do without it. So I feel for some of these people that are struggling to get budget and the ear of the powers that be. With the magnifying glass of COVID over a number of firms and the FCA under pressure themselves from the Treasury and also from the public, that it will be troublesome for firms and unnecessary hidden costs if they went into 2021 far less adherent to perhaps what a number of their peers are doing in the sector, which is using a robust approach to TNC to support good conduct and culture. I think you're absolutely right in that respect. But I guess what you will find is that firms, we very rarely come across a firm that is subject to TC requirements that hasn't got anything. We very often come across firms that have something that, in our opinion, is not fit for purpose because it is very manual, because there's very limited, you know, information. But, you know, say, for example, I've got 500 people in my TNC regime and those 500 people give advice on investment products, pension products, insurance products, have different qualifications because they've come up from maybe different routes and I need to work out, I've got people in different stages of competence, and I need to work out where do I need to spend my time? Who are the people that I need to support the most? Well, actually, if I've employed technology and I've got a dashboard that says the key performance indicators for this individual in this role are, 
And that could be around complaints, it could be around cancellations, it could be around quality of advice checks, it could be around people not doing certain things when they should do. But actually, if I've got all of that data, I can mine that data and I can very quickly look at it and say, okay, it's that person in that location that looks like they need a bit of support. You know, if I'm controlling the scheme, I can talk to the, the, the manager, the supervisor in situ, and we can talk about what additional support we can give that person to help them. If you've got 500 people and that is all done on some hybrid HR system or e-learning system that was never, ever built to do that. And, you know, there's bits of paper and Excel spreadsheets and everybody's got to remember to do it if it's in their Outlook diary. You know, I'm going to spend my days shuffling paper and trying to bring together the data to try and make a decision about it as opposed to act on what it's telling me. And I, I think that's where our expertise and where firms, we almost need to persuade them, I think, that the route to employing technology in your firm, if you haven't got individuals that are supportive of the cost involved, is that we should be working with them on some kind of cost benefit analysis for their business so that they can try and evidence to the powers that be that actually this is not, this is not an on-cost this is an investment opportunity cost that will pay back over a period of time. And maybe that's why in the past, to Nick's earlier point, was that people buy TNC solutions when there is an advent of something, a merger, an acquisition, a fine in a different part of the business, but there's some kind of connection to, to employee competence. So I think from our point of view as a vendor, actually, if we've got 50% almost of our people saying that they do stuff manually, actually, isn't that great? It's not great news for them. It's great news for us because we've got an opportunity to support these firms on their journey and hopefully they'll let us do that. Thank you, Nick and Julie. And thank you for listening to this WorkSmart podcast. To learn how WorkSmart's training and competency management system, TrackSmart, enables your firm to achieve regulatory compliance while also achieving business advantage through competency gains, please visit our new website, worksmart.co.uk. And whilst you're on the website, check out the Insights section for you and your colleagues to watch, listen and read our very latest thoughts on training and competency. 